0: 6 o'clock, so how about we get started at tonight's budget subcommittee meeting. Uh, are we recording? Yeah. Excellent. So we, for everybody's, uh, we are being recorded live on TV. Uh, so just sort notice on that. Everybody should have in front of them an uh, agenda for tonight. Everybody got that handy? Um, so a couple things. Thought that it would be uh, interesting just to read through the charge that we have, because every so often I know I get onto committees and Kind of don't take that moment to step back and reflect upon what's the bigger thing we're trying to accomplish according to the charge from the town. Um, Does everybody have the charge from them? Thank you, Michael, for printing that off and including it. Um, So I'm just gonna read it and then there'll be a focus in, I think, on a couple that kind of struck me as I was reading through um, for last week's meeting from the budget subcommittee. So uh, essentially, Article 32 establishes the budget subcommittee. Uh, to see if the town will vote to amend its general bylaws by adding a new Chapter 4 entitled Budget Subcommittee as follows. Uh, In an effort to promote collaboration, sharing of information, development of short and long-range recommendations regarding the town's financial condition, a budget subcommittee shall be established to be comprised and have the following responsibilities outlined below. Subsection 1 membership uh, comprised of two members of the Board of Selectmen, two members of the Finance Committee, two members of the School Committee, uh, and each of these representatives have shall be appointed on an annual basis by their respective committee or board chair, town administrator, superintendent of schools, your designee shall also be members of the budget subcommittee with full voting rights. Um, subsection two, uh, representatives of the Board of Selectmen, Finance Committee and School Committee shall keep their respective board or committee informed of the activities of the budget subcommittee. Um, subsection three, The subcommittee may consult with and utilize the expertise of various municipal officials, including but not limited to the town accountant, treasurer, and school business manager. Thank you all. Subsection four, uh, so the budget subcommittee's objective is to develop short and long range forecasts for revenues and expenditures and to develop strategies for meeting any projected shortfalls. Subsection five, uh, the budget subcommittee's role shall be advisory in nature but through a collaborative and cooperative process, members will seek consensus on forecasts and strategies and will advocate for agreement with their respective boards or committees. So uh, I know it's kind of tedious to read through it, I'm sure we all read it, but I think there's some importance to A, letting the folks at home know about it, um, and also for ourselves, I guess, to level set as a team to try to understand what does that mean to us? What are we trying to accomplish in this budget cycle? Um, What are we trying to communicate Um, And are any of these items important that we want to flesh out and bring back to our various boards and committees? Um, You know, I think last time we talked about that. We're pretty good at doing a revenue-based forecast Um, Most companies entities are that I've worked with in the town is no different given X amount of dollars we can fit the expense shoe to fit but I, I felt as if though that Subsection 4 and 5 gave us a little bit more of a longer-term view and discussion um, that says not only do we need to make the current revenue-based forecasting work and continue to do that, I think it's important we we communicate and facilitate that, but we also seem to have a charge and a commitment to try to understand where the, the town is trying to go to and the school system is trying to go to in the years to come. And do we feel like we are on the right path? You know, it's, it's that old hockey adage where you you skate to where the puck's going to be, not where it is. And and are we on the right path as a town from the revenue and expense side? That we think in two, three, four years we're going to arrive at the right place? Because if not, to me that speaks to subsection four that says there may be a shortfall and or I always look at this as opportunities as well, um, you know, that we should probably be advising our respective boards and committees about keeping front and center certainly advising the town on front and center. Um, And then hopefully at the end of this process, as we near the completion of the budget itself, I thought it might add value for us to potentially uh, explore presenting to the Board of Selectmen where we think as the budget subcommittee we're going to be in more of a longer term uh, trajectory, so to speak. So with that, I guess I'll open up the floor to get some thoughts to the team in terms of A, what our charge is and what we really want to begin to accomplish as a team. Anybody
1: want to go first? Well, I think last year, Connor, you started to do the projections on a longer cycle, and I think that was, that's was that been helpful um, to kind of see where we are, where we want to go, um, what our projections are for our future revenue and um, how we can, like you said, fit in our cost to that future revenue. So I like that you started doing that, I think it was last year.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: I think that also in terms of having a revenue based budget we tried um, on the school side to create multiple scenarios Mm -hmm. um, to show that it you know wasn't just revenue based but these this is what we are able to offer under these um, situations right and um, I believe that's where you're thinking about this only, or I believe it fits into what you're saying about this. I guess yeah. I should say because it was, you know, the objective to show what long-range goals were, right. but where they did or didn't fit into the current budget.
0: Mm-hmm. I think that makes sense. I loved the language that you <clears> used <throat> last year. It made it easily easy for me to digest in the terms of where in the re. I think it was reactive, proactive, and mm-hmm. I can't remember what the strategic strategic was the third. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, would, I, I find myself hard pressed to say that reactive is where I naturally want to be I'd like to be more proactive and even strategic where I think it can add value to the townspeople and to our community um, appropriately so um, so maybe that makes sense maybe we also need to in addition to I think our traditional approach bring in some of those discussions that say here's, here's what we think the proactive should look like or um, strategic could look like I I shouldn't say should but could and maybe begin to flesh out here's what the cost structure might be associated with that. I, I think you did do some of that last year if I remember correctly. We yeah. did that
3: on the school side. Yeah. I don't know that, that if that works for everyone. I don't know, but it mm-hmm. does work for the school side and we intend to continue that.
0: Yeah. So I think that that'd be
3: kinda of interesting to see on
1: the town side too, like what the goal is, what you want to see developed, in on the town side as well.
0: Right. Yeah,
4: I mean, I think um, Tom's point, it is helpful having this kind of different uh, uh, kind of scenario forecasting on mm. what we you know. What basically program-based budgeting, rather than just saying, right. OK, this is our finite pot of money. How do we live with it? And um, we, on the town side, will be stealing some of your idea moving forward um, for fiscal 20 and probably each budget thereafter. Um, As you may have seen on the the instruction memo that went out to the department heads, uh, I asked for uh, something similar to what we do in the capital budget already, which is we get kind of side letters that give a quantify and and qualify what they're actually asking for. Mm -hmm. Uh, So rather than having the more traditional process where a department head would submit, um, a budget request through SoftWrite and might have a, a couple extra line items for a few positions that almost always, given our revenue position, uh, are cut before we even release a preliminary budget. Um, I asked that a level service budget be put forward through SoftWrite, just as a, a matter of kind of the mm-hmm. um, a very just kind of this is where we are reality budget, but also asking departments who have known ongoing persistent needs, um, more proactive or strategic needs that are uh, consistently not funded, not because they're not valuable, just because we were mm-hmm. in a really tight revenue spot. I asked for those folks to include a side letter that kind of quantifies how many, or first qualifies what is it, or what would it do, and how, how many positions, or um, maybe not positions, I could think of something like DPW, TPW through capital has been borrowing five hundred thousand dollars a year to supplement a roadway funding, um, which is great. But it's not something we could afford to continue to do in the long run. I think one of the, that question might come up either at a recent budget subcommittee meeting or it might have been a finance committee meeting about um, you know reality that you borrow X dollars in a capital budget, you don't pay that entire borrow off by the next year. So there's we're, we can't continually add million mm-hmm. of borrowed roadway funding every year. So that's a kind of cost that if we were being strategic, uh, if we had kind of the, the capacity from a revenue standpoint to be strategic, that you would want to see maybe not 500000 but some fixed amount. Mm-hmm. Because even though roadway projects are capital, it's also a recurring expense. Mm-hmm. Same thing right now. We've been going between $100,000 and $200,000 a year through the capital budget for facilities maintenance uh, that goes towards both town and school buildings um, that's based on um, the Doran and Whittier Facilities Assessment Report that's basically, I think, like kind of a minimum amount of spending we need to do just to keep our buildings where they are right now. Uh, and we're borrowing that money as well, mm-hmm. which is another. So just those two items $700, of $700,000 borrowing a year that we're doing each year through the capital budget. That is a good stopgap, but ideally, given uh, better revenue, and being more strategic, those are the kind of things we would like to fund in a more kind of uh, long-term, uh, recurring fashion. So we'll be borrowing that idea, um, and you know, it's kind of speaking to that more and more mm-hmm. uh, in each budget because every year we put forward, and we have a obligation to, it and we'll continue to meet that obligation. We'll put a balanced budget forward. By the time we get to town meeting, we'll we'll have a balanced budget. Right. Um, but just because we're able to balance a budget every year doesn't mean that we're actually funding everything that we could and ought to. Right.
1: I think that's a great idea, because what I loved about Alicia's, um, her um, her different strategies is that, you know, it's easy to get caught up in your budget. This is what I have to deal with now. This is the money I have. These are the emergencies that I have to deal with. But when you have kind of a, A vision of what you want down the road you have a pathway and it helps to kind of focus where your money is going now and where it can go in the future and so I think I think that's a great idea I'd like to see that
0: agreed it's interesting Connor brought up a point in in my thought about laying out our kind of dual budgeting process stemmed from the what you just mentioned which was the debt on the $500,000 related to the roadway repair and it got me thinking of am I sure I'm comfortable knowing all the things that we're committing to now that over time will simply or could potentially constrict our ability to make decisions in the future? Because the time to affect those is not then when you get there. It's with the decisions we're potentially making now and then the cost corrections we can make over the short term in terms of this year or the next few years so that by the time we get to that place in the future, we don't realize we can't do something we think is important an amazing amount of value add to the community because of what we had done in the past and we didn't raise the flag. I've always liked the, any type of budget committee that I've been on for, for that type of long range planning and the opportunity to serve as that kind of financial canary in the coal mine that says, hey, either we've got this huge opportunity that we can seize and we should do that and it will be great, or we're doing something that isn't sustainable if we're trying to accomplish these things in the future. Um, and that might be, in the school's case, that kind of proactive, uh, leaning towards strategic where we can create tremendous value for the, the students and the community in that fashion. And I think on the town side as well with the, the backlogged r and capital repairs and, and all those items that we need to get to. Um, so it sounds like we have a pretty good consensus to kind of do both. We'll continue to do the traditional work. We'll come in with a balanced budget, revenue-based forecasting. Um, to keep that ball moving appropriately so. But we can have some strategic vision about what we think and what we'd like to be in the next, whether it's two years or three years, so that we can begin to communicate that here are some of the challenges we see or some unsustainable borrowing practices that we believe we have to consider. Um, And hopefully by giving a heads up in the short term, we provide some runway for us to address those issues over the longer term. Um, is that a fair summary? Does that sound like we're all kind of in alignment? Mm-hmm. Sound good? Yeah,
2: I think that discussion is helpful for the general public to be aware of what exactly we're doing, where we're going,
0: what, we, what we, where we would like to go, um, yeah. so they can weigh in on those kinds of things and understand exactly um, what some of the constraints are and some of the goals that we have. Absolutely. Down. Yeah, well said. Um, Jen, I noticed, I know that Jan was the designee from the Finance Committee. Yes. Would you, I'm not sure, I, I did not reach out to Roberta and Mark, but you might just want to reach out and ask if they had, um, if you folks had a chance to appoint somebody else to join the okay. team. Last
5: meeting, we did it, so I left be traveling, but I will find out and talk to Roberta.
0: Cool. Thank you. Appreciate it. Sounds good. Um, Tom, just one last thing before we sure. off
4: the subject that I think would be helpful. Um, you and I briefly talked about there being kind of these two different use of budgeting right there's a the kind of technical financial exercise that we need to put a balanced budget for if we're going to right mm-hmm. and then there's a the more kind of strategic and policy piece that you're speaking about something that um, Wendy and I and Mike will be working on uh, that we we'll have coming out in January or February so reporting that my office used to do years ago that uh, for a variety of reasons we were unable to do recently so um those will be both the financial summary condition report, so we'll be reissuing those reports again in January and February. That's going to be uh, a pretty kind of straightforward document of key fiscal health metrics, bond rating, debt per capita, nice. um, stabilization, and uh, free cash as a percentage of our operating expenditures, um, which are always, it's good to have that information. It's good for um, anyone in a kind of fiduciary will have that information. And we'll also be reissuing community comparison reports. Um, That is something that, again, it's kind of benchmarking we used to do in-house. The operational audit actually um, uh, borrowed our own methodology for their uh, benchmarking that they did. Uh, But that was a couple of years back. So I basically intend to pick the ball up where that left off. And uh, again, put forward a report, but try to be as concise as possible with um, you know per capita spending metrics or per pupil on the school side because I know that's a more useful or uh, I guess uh, I'm starting to find a word more, more commonly used metric, I um, Sorry, everybody. Hello. I
6: no worries. Held up. Welcome. Ready to go at 4 p.m. and then Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thank you. Welcome.
4: Uh, so both of those reports. Um, Will be forthcoming uh, during a budget season. I think that that'll be helpful for the the standard budget process, but particularly for what you're uh, talking about. We're talking about.
0: What we're talking about. So. I think those will be helpful. Thanks, Connor. And on the school side as well, if there are documents or statistics or um, any type of information like that that adds value and context to the discussions we'll have we'll have regarding, um, I, I guess we'll, we'll call it the more, not necessarily the philosophical side, but kind of the strategic side, perhaps, is maybe a way to think about it. That would be something helpful to consider. Um, I know for me, I can easily wrap my head around the per pupil spend. I've thought about that and understand that. But if there are other indexes or comparisons, and later on today, we're gonna to go through ClearGov to kind of see just some things that I noticed in terms of, wow, I didn't realize all this information is available mm-hmm. that can allow me to see these comparisons. Um, Because those might help us understand and say, hey, listen, we're really different here. And is that good or is that bad? Maybe it's okay. But, you know, differences compared to a peer group can be very helpful to seeing either opportunities or risks. Um, So ClearGov is one that I just thought we could bring up today. But if there are things on the school side, that would be awesome as well. Um, What else? Good. Any other thoughts? Uh, In terms of like the charge or the thought, so does it make sense that ultimately our goal is that we would go before the Board of Selectmen and kind of present what we believe from a Budget Subcommittee standpoint, the state of the longer term trajectory is? Does that make, uh, is that a good end game, good goal, in terms of communicating to the town and to the Board? Does that feel right?
3: What's the timeline?
0: Uh, So preferably before budget is finalized. Um right? Well, um,
4: that gives us uh, February, March, or early the first half of April. Uh, so preliminary budgets will start being presented probably in February. Um, those obviously change as they do every year. Uh, and are usually balanced in April uh, before town meeting. Sometimes they get balanced in May if it's a tight year. Um, So I think that the process we're speaking about tonight had this kind of sounds like a strategic gap analysis uh, report from budget subcommittee If that's going to be informed by the fiscal 20 budget, preliminary budget, and those two reports that I just cited. That information becomes available in January, February. Mm So, perhaps March.
0: Yeah, it would make sense.
4: Um, I do think it's important to set expectations that if the budget subcommittee does come forward, we'll a presentation to the selectmen in March on um, those strategic gaps, that the revenue picture is largely set for the coming fiscal year at that point. Mm-hmm. So, any major pivots, uh, you know, six figure pivots, are not probably going to be able to happen regardless of kind of the feelings about those strategic gaps. Mm-hmm. So
3: it's more informative.
0: It's, it's informative Agreed. at that point. Um, yep. If we, I think if we targeted end of uh, March, early okay. April, as a window to just shed some light and some information. And I agree. You know, As I was thinking about the deadline, uh, I guess the goal is that our body of work can inform and educate. And it's probably not going to materially impact this year's budget um, but I think it could shed light on this year's budget, and I think it could certainly impact the planning trajectory for the years to come. Sure. And I think that speaks to the long-term or long-range planning function of of the responsibility of this committee. Um, so uh, in, in preferably the work product would be good, and it would hit the timeline. And if we need some more time to get the right work product, we should probably consider taking that mm-hmm. in terms of getting the value out to the town. Um, hopefully, we can do both and get it all within the time frame, and help the community and the, our respective committees stay informed. Um, Would that be a joint meeting with the finance committee, or just simply with the oh, it, uh, it certainly, we could look at that. Whether or not it adds value, there's—I um, know we have representatives uh, from each of the committees. So, um, but I think that could be some tremendous value and merit to incorporating in the finance committee. So, I think we could consider that. Um, without question, space, uh, I think the space might, mm-hmm, most of us are there, yeah, might, might be able to make it work. We can explore the merits of that.
6: So, um, I hope you'll forgive me if I'm, I mean obviously I'm at least 15 minutes behind your discussion in your discussion, but. No worries. So, I'm assuming that you are proposing a sort of new role, for the, or a, an enhanced role for the budget subcommittee. Mm-hmm. But, um, so, if we're going to have the Board of Selectmen and the Finance Committee involved in a presentation or recommendations by the Budget Subcommittee, I would say since the school the schools have, well, we should, certainly should have more than this, but we have 50% of the straight budget. Um, why not have a larger scale presentation to all of the major boards and, mm-hmm. um, Obviously, the public would automatically be invited because it would be an open meeting. You're right, we'd have to find a large enough space, but I don't see the finance committee necessarily adding more value just because they're numbers people than the school department and school committee who certainly are the ones who know the school budget. Yeah, Does that make sense?
4: Yeah, I'm not big Tom. We're trying to be competitive here. No, no, <laughs> I'm not being competitive. Ball, no, I just I just meant,
6: you know, if together. you were talking about how that would add tremendous value. Yeah. I thought, well, it could. I think we would too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so. You know, as with the more can be the better, uh, as long as we can effectively have good communication and share, I think that's fantastic. It's and not my intention to. It. Nope, not at all. Well,
6: you just thought of finance committee
0: right and, away. But that's okay. And, and <laughs> as a finance guy, not all finance, not all financial <laughs> committee members are finance people, and vice versa. Sure. So sure. I'll I'll leave it open. There's good sure. finance people on the school committee as well. Um, but I think that would be helpful. I, the and uh, Caroline, just uh, so what we did was we reviewed the article to start. Right. Um, and really, for me, what I keyed in on was it seems like we have a responsibility, according to the charter, uh, to talk about any potential shortfalls in the future. Mm-hmm. And I, I see the word shortfalls, but I always include opportunities as well, because um, I think there's a positive to that. Yeah. Um, and I just felt as if the budget subcommittee this year could play that role, uh, very candidly hijacking what the school committee did last, school department did last year with kind of a reactive, proactive strategic. Mm-hmm. I think it's important for um, the town, I think it's important for the committees to understand the posture that we are in from a financial standpoint regarding the budgets that we have um, and not just regarding the mechanics of completing this year's budget, which is very important and we will do diligently, but also how does what we do this year affect two to three to four years down the road? Um, and the example that we gave, I gave, that's pretty easy to digest, is we are currently borrowing half a million dollars to do paving projects that at some point you can't continue to borrow to do th- to items like that without having other consequences that could constrain you down the road. So, couldn't
6: agree, agree more.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, it was just to, to I guess, use this. Subcommittee as the platform to have that dialogue and I think it's great in terms of the ideas for the other committees to join. Well, thank you for Um, your
6: patience with my. (laughs) No. (laughs) missed the first part of the meeting.
0: Great, I appreciate it, an opportunity to to reinforce. Um, All right, good, so unless anybody has other thoughts on this, we can circle back. Um, At the end when we talk about the next meeting, we can talk about what we want to commit to in terms of teams and bringing back along the lines of this discussion. Um, So we'll do that then. Item two on the agenda is an update on the 2020 preliminary revenue projections and three-year forecast.
2: Is
0: there an extra one of? Oh, right. Thanks, Connor. You mind walking us through?
4: Would love to. So attached, not attached, in front of you, you have a, a, a most recently updated. Projection for the town's revenue and expenditures uh, for fiscal year 20, which is immediately before us, as well as the next two fiscal years, 21 and 22. If you, I'll just start at the top uh, and make some notes of what's changed. So the fiscal year 2019 budgeted numbers include some actuals now in uh, the taxation section, new growth. Uh, actual was 865141 that's about $15,000 above what it was uh, projected out of the budget. It was originally budgeted at $850,000, uh, so we, we did um, come in slightly above that. However, um, we are projecting uh, for now, as we always do at this early stage conservative uh Estimate of seven hundred thousand in new growth in that area for fiscal twenty, which is a decrease of one hundred sixty-five grand over what the actual was this year. Um, That's largely informed by two things. One is that new growth has fallen off by about one hundred thirty-five thousand from fiscal year eighteen, where we came in at a, I think, a five or ten-year high of over a million. Uh, We're also keeping a conservative outlook on the new growth projection for fiscal twenty. Based on the fact that our uh, building permit fees came in, you see the budget and actual for 18. We closed the books on fiscal year 2018. The, if you look in the second subcategory, local receipts, licenses and permits came in uh, about 130000 below what was projected. Uh, a lot of that was uh, building uh, fees, some of that has to really pour. Uh, weather this past spring, but it's nonetheless indicative that uh, we should expect a bit of a cooling off in -hmm. building permits, uh, which usually translates into a cooling off in new growth. Uh, Some main contributors to outside weather are also that the years before that had really healthy building permit growth included some very large projects like Avalon, which are done and accordingly are no longer pulling building permit fees. Uh, So so we're looking at a, a total projected increase in taxation of three point six two percent uh, for fiscal twenty. Local receipts we're projecting two percent right now. Uh, that's a bit we. It's a bit conservative, but uh, again, that's largely informed by one of the largest subcategories there being licenses and permits, which have cooled off a little.
5: Also, a a large category in the local receipts is more be a black size. Uh, We'll have a better idea of of how that's trending once that first large commitment comes out, which will be probably around the end of January or February. Um, So, um, you know, right now we're we're looking at 20 based on fiscal 18's actuals. We're not even sure really where we're going to be at for 19 yet. It probably will be up. But, um, you know, at this point, it's still, it's still pretty early. We've, we projected a $75,000 increase, um, which is 2%. Um, and that's also, but that's also still under, you know, the amount we've collected. But again, you know, you don't, you don't want your estimates to be too close to your actuals because we need to generate that free cash going forward. Mm-hmm.
0: I think it makes sense to assume a, a conservative posture, especially on the new growth. September housing stats were down 5.5 percent two-year low. Um, that's, you know, a national number, but it seems to be a little bit indicative of the overall market, and certainly an increase in bank rates meet capital more expensive for uh, development. So it seems to make sense on that. Yeah.
4: The next revenue category is state aid. Um, We are projecting a less than 1% increase in state aid uh, that is reflective of uh, our actual experience. Largely, uh, state aid continues to lag behind other revenue sources um, for the town, uh, which is just uh, really um, exacerbates the structural revenue deficit that we have been working with for about 11 years now. So, uh, projecting a minor increase of three-quarters of 1% to Chapter 70, which is the largest subcategory of state aid, projecting a 2.5% in unrestricted general government aid. Um, there's a minor reduction in our projected veterans' benefits reimbursement that is uh, reflective of the actual uh, the reduction of the town's budget there. That was something that uh, the VSO Corey Honan gave a presentation on. I believe on November 19th, that's a reduction in the veterans' benefits line item is not indicative of worse or fewer benefits. It's that the Department of Health and Community Services has been doing a really great job uh, helping veterans get back to work and connecting them with other eligible benefits. Uh, and when folks are back to work, and their income rises, they no longer acquire those benefits. So that's what that $18,000 reduction is uh, indicative of. Other financial sources, so uh, for now uh, we are continuing to project uh, no use of stabilization funds in the operating budget. We did not do that last year um, for the first time in many years. We are projecting continued adherence to the financial management guidelines of using no more than 50% of free cash in the operating budget uh, because free cash. Uh, came in lower. Uh, that means mm-hmm. less reserve use. So that's a reduction of one hundred and fifty-five thousand uh, in reserve fund use, which uh, is a good thing in one sense. But that is one hundred and fifty-five thousand fewer dollars than last year in an already very tight revenue picture. So
5: and that number has been adjusted since the last forecast. So in the last forecast, um, I think it was just an even one point two million. Right. Um, it's now been adjusted since free cash
4: has actually been certified. Great. So again, that's that's a, a placeholder for now. It's obviously my hope um, that we continue to meet that uh, guideline. Uh, because ultimately, we would like to uh, largely eliminate the use of free cash mm-hmm. in the operating budget. We uh, want to use one-time money for one-time things. Right. But, uh, that has been incredibly challenging given our revenue deficit. So, you get a total general fund revenue of uh, increase of 2.75 over the prior year, which lends to the rough estimates on uh, an expenditure forecast, which basically just carries that two and three quarter percent number across the board for town and schools.
5: Right, and that will be updated once uh, departments start submitting their budgets. When do you find out information about state aid amount of
4: talent That's a good question. So we, we, get, we, we get a preliminary estimate in January. Okay. Uh, usually at MMA, the annual trade conference, which is, what, second to last Friday? 18th Okay. okay. So, that, so we'll get an estimate on state aid from the governor's proposed budget. Uh, that is usually slightly lower than where it ends up, but it's it's not dramatically lower. But
1: anyway
4: okay. so so have a
1: really good idea where it's heading. Yes. Okay. And when the economy did its tank last time, what was the drop from like the year? Like that is just, another very
4: good question. But so <laughs> those were referred to I think as the nine C cuts. Mm-hmm. Um, oh god, I think so. Wendy, do you remember the exact time I know the nine C cuts when a recession mm-hmm. hit mm-hmm. happened in the middle of the fiscal year, correct? Yes. Right. So they were, they were okay. financially devastating, um, not to sure about it. The mm-hmm. town had passed an override the year prior, um, in the amount of I believe three point mm-hmm. seven million, something in that I was, area.
5: I thought, I thought it was three point four.
4: Or maybe I I shouldn't have put a number out there, I'm sorry. Okay. Yeah. But so there was an override that was passed the year before uh, that thankfully uh, built up a stabilization account quite a bit at that time. Um, unfortunately, um, the recession and the cuts to state aid, which were quite dramatic, wiped out um, really any ability to have both that override translate into programmatic improvements. Mm-hmm. And there were still, even with the override layoffs, uh, that we spent many years. Uh, recuperating from, mm-hmm. uh, the, the cuts to state aid that happened during the recession, so in fiscal year 2008, those cuts mm-hmm. occurred. We didn't, as a community, get back to the same dollar amount of state revenue until fiscal 2016. Mm-hmm. So we had an eight-year period where we were behind them, and that's not adjusting for inflation or any kind of you know consumer price index. Uh, that's just in, in unadjusted dollars. We lost eight years of ground in that revenue mm-hmm. category
5: a good argument for
1: the long-term scenario type planning, because that could be a thing that I think you're right. Yeah.
4: <laughs> good question. Um, so on the expense side, this is a very rough forecast, uh, just as I said, carrying over the general fund revenue uh, increase. Um, we will refine these based on a couple of things. One will be the actual proposed departmental budgets uh, on the town side. Uh, And we'll also refine the multi-year forecast based on ratified collective bargaining agreements, which uh, those don't tell us the future. They give us a good idea of where uh, salaries and departments will be. Obviously, Mm -hmm. um, we don't know the exact day of uh, any kind of employee attrition, but we can get a pretty good idea. So Mm -hmm. we'll be doing that uh, closer to the spring. Um, Again, these are... We just plugged in numbers here. But they're not mm-hmm. indicative of just to start. departmental requests including the schools.
0: Does the school department maintain uh, gri- uh, reporting that's more granular in detail? Uh, so in other words, we can see the town down to the $3,000 item and other general government. And then on this report, we have a $42 million placeholder, you know, $43 million placeholder for the school. Does the school have reporting that goes in greater detail? That might be beneficial for this team to review as well when we go through these types of processes?
3: Um, Well, we have state-mandated lines and codes, Mm -hmm. um, several pages long, and we can review anything. Sure. Um, We did share that with the finance committee member that met with us. Right. Um, It's available online. And it's open to the public right now, but we Sure.
0: It might be helpful at the next meeting if or, and or if the team wants to review it in the interim in preparation for the next meeting.
3: It's a book, so give yourself time.
0: Got it, plenty of time. Mm-hmm. Is there any. It's right on
3: the district website. It's
0: right on the district website. Mm-hmm. Great, so maybe we can circulate that to the team and uh, begin to. If we're going to have a strategic discussion about the future years, not knowing the pieces of what comprise the budget and therefore could be reviewed, discussed, and understood, um, might be it might be a challenge for that. Just given this, we can kind of see the departments here and go through that, but I didn't know if there might be some helpful information from the school side. So we will take a look at that book and see what it gives us. Does it give prior years in comparison and it gives some estimate for the future years?
6: Well, we're not really in a well, position. no. So right. We don't so have nothing
0: like this type of?
6: Well, we don't have collective
3: bargaining completed and 80% of our budget is human resources. That,
0: so that makes sense not to have that understood. Okay.
4: So I'm sure we have fixed costs with debt and interest. Uh, there's an uh, in uptick and non town debt. Uh, fiscal 20, that's uh, the last, I believe there's a, f- a few different uh, debt service items that are coming due that year or the, the notes are maturing they will be paid off in full and then they they're projected to drop off uh, after that other fixed costs include employee benefits and insurances uh, we are carrying um, conservative estimates here conservative on the expense side meaning higher than what we have necessarily seen each year we've been fortunate that since switching to the Group Insurance Commission for health insurance, um, that has significantly uh, helped the town and the ability to close budget gaps each year. The uh, premium increase for fiscal year 19 from 18 was barely over 1%, which for anyone who has health insurance, that's, that's quite good. The four-year average increase of GIC benefits since the town joined, I think, is somewhere in the area of in the 1%. It's under 2% a year, uh, which is, is quite good, mm-hmm. uh, especially when we're providing uh, those benefits to a, uh, mm-hmm. a significant amount of active and retired employees. It's, it's a large part of our budget. Uh, to be specific, uh, 8.5 million. So it's almost 10% of our operating costs. So having that continue to increase in such small increments has been really helpful so that's an opportunity to borrow your language. On the flip side, however, uh, if we do have a year where premiums do increase 3%, 4 5%, that's going 5%, uh, that's going to create a challenge. Had that happened last year, it would have created a significant challenge. So uh, we've had many, many years where kind of a confluence of things came together to help, to help us close yeah. budget gaps. Um, uh, but obviously, from a strategic perspective, you can't assume health insurance will go by 1% every year, guys, which is why we're five
6: mm-hmm. for now. So didn't the GIC actually sort of indicate that their expectation was that it would go up quite a bit more in the next cycle? Because I think originally the proposal was a pretty big increase for this year and then they put together a sort of package of, uh, you know, a little bit higher co-pays, things mm-hmm. like that. Some, I think some options were removed. And that kept it, that brought it back down to 1%. But my sense is that it's almost certainly not going to be that low next time.
4: Well, I don't know um, what indication is for fiscal 20. I do, you are correct that going from 18 to 19 was um, volatile, to say the least. Mm -hmm. Um, There was a proposed reduction in plans. I I think about half of them, if (laughs) I recall. Um, it, that was not received well by the hundreds of thousands of public employees in the state, and the GIC reversed that decision. Right. One of the reasons the GIC cited when making that decision uh, originally was that the premiums would increase had they not. Um, however, even after reversing that decision, the premiums increased only by 1%, and right. deductibles actually decreased on some plans. So going into nineteen was a, a good year, but uh, to your point, uh, we're not we're not going to... I assume it will be sunshine uh, every year. So.
6: so the last sort of missive I got from GIC was to the effect that yeah, we okay, we did these things for this year, but, you know, this is a sort of holding strategy and we can't expect to do as well in future years. So to hold our breath on that one, I think. Anyway. We'll take it.
4: So, we have some other uh, insurances listed here. Projecting a total increase of 5.62% in uh, the employee benefits and other insurances category.
0: Um. Just on the previous page, quick question. Sure. In the accounting world we have this awesome kind of phenomena called more likely than not, less likely than not around things that you really don't know in terms of timing mm-hmm. or when it will happen and it's kind of this squishy thing which is great, comes in handy. Okay. At some point, for example, on the exempt school, right, at what point do we as a, a town consider the school planning project like as something we may want to put into future years budget expense? I'm not in any way saying we're there now, mm-hmm. but just in terms of that discussion, that since we are kind of a long term planning discussion and that is something that would be a material item that would impact our budgets, at what point do, has the town historically decided to add that in because we're now in the more likely than not, or is it a pure black and white that nope, until it's done, we don't put it in? I guess, well, how does that work?
4: That's a good question. I've not in here leading into an MSBA project before. So Wendy, I don't know how, I mean, we would give projections mm -hmm. before any kind of vote of town meeting or the community, Mm -hmm. Um, but I don't, if we were to carry an assumption in here of um, exempt school debt for the early elementary school project specifically, we would also need to carry an assumption of debt exclusion override of an equal amount. Mm -hmm. Um, So, I mean, that's doable. Yeah.
5: Okay. it's definitely doable. I don't think we yeah. have been in a position previously where you had one debt basically being paid off and replaced with another. Um, so.
0: Because I, I believe my timing might be off, but I believe that project would begin in or the that amount would hit here in would it be 22 or 21 in terms of some of the the funding according to the current trajectory
4: of the plan project? If, if they're it successful so. with that exclusion override. For the early elementary school project,
5: that would be fiscal twenty one. No, that seems early. Yeah, um, because it just seems it seems like we're kind of far the vote from vote.
3: Would is s- projected to be next November.
5: So, so next November, and then so we have architectural costs. So you're going to borrow in increments. You're not really going to see the full So there would be, you, we would use data.
4: bands or something yes. of that nature I yes. first and roll them for a few years before the full bond was
5: yes. used. So, so I, I would I would say that what you'd want to do is you'd want to strategically try to maneuver it so that, your your debt when your debt for the high school middle school is being paid off now you're really coming online with the debt for this school project um, to minimize the the impact on the taxpayer.
4: That is procedure. Right. Uh, so we went from three point three million in 18 and then the exempt debt fell to one point eight. What what project pay, was paid off?
5: The Richardson, Richardson School. Mm-hmm.
4: And when are, is oh. You know the year off the top of your head. -hmm. Wanted to make sure I made that clear that it was all. Mm -hmm. I'm asking you off the top of your head for RO, I for OA. I
5: don't
4: know.
0: It's either I think like maybe 2024,
5: 2025. I I feel like
0: you're right. Okay. There was a two-year lap if I remember correctly from the planning when we, I think our first meeting, we had that mm-hmm. schedule that prompted that out. Mm-hmm. My recollection is a two to three year lap of when we thought this project would come online. So I guess my it feels like potentially in 20, FY22, as we progress through this as a mm-hmm. team, we may at some point, whether it's this year or next, begin to say it's more likelihood that that's going to happen. And we may want to begin to project that into the 22. Um, or not, depending upon what we want to advise You know, that joint meeting of, you know, what either we believe that's very important and critical, plays a role in in accomplishing what we need to, um, and all those other balances that we'll probably go through as a team. Um, Because absent that, we have an awful lot of repairs that still need to be made at those three facilities. So there is some cost structure. You know, that the alternative is we still have those repairs to do, so there's going to be some expense that comes down the road that we would want to serve notice on if we don't go that alternative route. Mm-hmm. Um, so on and so forth, potentially.
6: Well, couldn't construction costs really throw a spanner in the works in the works too? I mean, that's something I'm I think about all the time as I mm-hmm. watch them rising, <laughs> just in time. So.
4: Well, certainly, and I think that's always <laughs> some of the the hazard when you're making projections years and years out. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, That's why we always try to be responsible and put the caveat with everything that these are, these are rough estimates. Exactly. Um, but that's as good. you know, you've been been at this for long enough to know. Well, but it certainly if you put happened that out with there, the middle, middle school high
6: school project. I mean, the suddenly construction costs oh. just skyrocketed, and right. we had to cut down on a lot of the mm-hmm. things that we had originally intended to be part of the project. Mm-hmm. So.
0: Sorry, Connor, I didn't mean to, to cut you off. I think you were just wrapping up the others. Uh, other
4: expenditures. So, um, county and state assessments, uh, relatively level. Other amounts to be raised. So, um, we actually are projecting a snow and ice deficit of $200,000. Um, we budgeted 100000 for fiscal 19. Um, we've been getting a tremendous amount of rain. Uh, we had a rel- mm-hmm. a, a, a a not insignificant snow event very early in the year this year.
5: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, down
4: you know, is five inches. Five um, inches of
5: snow um with a cost of about thirty-three thousand. So that's about an average of about sixty seven hundred. Now mm-hmm. last year when when the season ended, the average cost per inch was about eighty eight hundred. Um and we and that was a we actually incurred a deficit but our snowfall um, was considered more like below typical so mm-hmm. if we and, and we're already out of the gate with snow in November so, right. Right. so we're going to have to just really monitor that and watch that right. mm-hmm.
4: and, and just for anyone who happens to watch budget subcommittee meetings at home uh, mm-hmm. snow and ice deficits are uh, we'll there we do project deficits. There, but it's an area where we're actually able to project deficits, unlike any other kind of operating expense. So over the years, I think as recently as five years ago, the town's snow and ice budget was about 188 thousand. After sig- numerous significantly worsening winters, we added 100 thousand dollars per year over the course of three years to increase that to where it sits today, which is at about 490 thousand. So that that is a more robust amount that mm-hmm. um, we do usually end up. Using around that area, so we we hopefully won't see snow and ice deficits. I think, um, was it Nemo perhaps in 2013 caused a snow and ice deficit of almost a million dollars? The state actually passed special legislation allowing municipalities um, to carry those costs over three years rather than one, just because it wasn't something in mean, Easton, it was just statewide where people were just absolutely crushed by that winter. So we have been kind of consciously, strategically building up our snow and ice budget, but in light of the the significant uh, precipitation, which thankfully has mostly been rain. Mm -hmm. um,
0: But if that continues, um, we could be in for uh, an expensive winter. Right. Credit to Dayfield DPW team. I know that uh, recently I've seen those white lines down the road, and I am very happy (laughs) to see them. I know that it brings with it the ability to keep it right on the road where we need it. It doesn't go off to the side, which is good both for the environment and for get it where it needs it, so hopefully that helps us a little bit this year. Um, the warm winter would be okay with me, yeah. yeah. right? Yeah. All right,
4: that's, that's that's the projection for now. So, where that leaves us is we're projecting a deficit of one million seventy four thousand four hundred ninety three uh, dollars. That is. Within our experience at this point, we typically have deficits projected between one and two million,
5: and it will probably be higher once the budget requests come in. That's right. Mm-hmm.
4: So, um, not necessarily a cause for alarm. Mm-hmm. Uh, however, it, it is indicative of a, a very kind of tight revenue situation that we're in. So, mm-hmm. we'll adjust this as time goes on. We we, we this is kind of a slightly different item on the agenda, but it's very brief anyway. So um, that send instructions to all the department heads um, in early November, asking about their preliminary requests come in uh, in December. We'll use those to inform a preliminary operating budget in January or February. We'll refine this at that time. um, And we will, as we do every
0: year, close the the gap. Mm -hmm. Um, I think it's interesting to point out that, you know, on the revenue side, we're looking at a 2.6% increase. And on the cost side... There are several items like, and you know, I'll use insurance as a proxy for the discussion, that could certainly go up at a rate higher than 2.6%. That essentially eats into the dollars that are available for us to actually go out and operate and execute um, mm-hmm. yeah. and serve. Yeah, the community. it's it an important and,
4: point. And we actually use um, language like funds available for appropriation. We also use, uh, we classify those insurances and debt as fixed costs, because those are costs over which we could have the, the, the most all-star financial management people in the world, and I think we have quite a few good people, but uh, we don't have direct control over what the premiums at GIC will be, right? So if, when you have a fixed amount of revenue increase, any, every penny over that, that fixed cost increase is money that's coming out of available for programs for services from schools, from the police department. Mm -hmm. And more often than not, I would think, those fixed costs do increase higher than the rate of uh, revenue, which means that we may be in a situation where our revenue is increasing by two and three quarters of a percent. But that doesn't mean that our spending on actual public services are going to go up by two and three quarters of a percent. Frequently, we've had right. um, budgets I know on the town side that are in there, you know, one two percent, uh, which is um, that's that's keeping the lights on and keeping things moving, but that's not improving
0: services. Right, um, you can't. Any questions, thoughts, observations so far on the prelim revenue projections and three uh, forecasts?
6: i have to say, Wendy and Connor, I think this is such a great document. I mean, it's so clear and so mm-hmm. comprehensive and I've been an admirer for a number of years. I know <laughs> that you will find it every year and it's really great. I mean, a lot of effort obviously goes into it, but it's, it's just all right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: And I know you're very much involved, with honor, but I give Wendy a lot of credit. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Well, <laughs> said. well said, Caroline, well said. You know, in essence, on these lines from the town side is a lot of the strategic discussions that we're going to have about where we think we'll be in two to three years, for the most part. There'll certainly be things we can add into it for line items that aren't here. Mm-hmm. But within it are a lot of the buckets that are going to lead to a lot of the conversations that we're probably going to have. So. I appreciate it. Well done. All right. Uh, anything else on that? Good. So, um, in a passing conversation with Connor, he once again reminded me how awesome um, ClearGov was. And ClearGov, for those people that don't necessarily go on it and geek out about financial numbers, terms, comparisons, and all those other good things, this is a set. So. Um, and I'm doing this so that you folks can take it. Um, nice but I had the conversation that, with Connor that said, Connor, could you just help me get to, you know, where where does our money, you and I can, can you have one for I do, actually I'll be fine, <laughs> I can look on live. Kind of, where does our money go now? General question, very simple, one of those kind of philosophy questions back in the day where it was a one sentence and the response was 15 pages and um, you didn't quite still get to it. but. Um, And he said, well, listen, you should go to ClearGov because there's a really easy way for you to add some color about where our spend goes. So whether it's us trying to understand where are we currently spending our money now um, and or um, where does it come from, from a revenue perspective. So on the ClearGov website, um, I literally clicked 2018 you can get there right from the town website. and then from there, it gives you a nice, it, it talks about demographic, who we are, median home value, 365.8, 7% higher than the state median. Household median income, $100,000, 41% higher than the state median um, population, so on and so forth. And for today, you know, I, I wasn't gonna go through all these things, but there was one, I guess, thing that shed some light for me in trying to understand where we spend our money. And on the financial overview overview side, you can see nicely that we balanced revenues and expenses matched for 2018. But this view breakdown button is really helpful. It was for me uh, in terms of understanding where we were spending our money. Um, It's not really doing much right now. Oh, I think we lost our Wi-Fi. Let me see if I can connect to the guest. Um. And I'll just follow along with your handout. Sure. When you click the expenses, and it prompts you to add in a value. And I added in $1,000. And it just says, enter your tax revenue. But for me, it was really easy to say, for every $1,000 in tax revenue that somebody spends, where does it go to? Mm-hmm. And then what pops up is a nice little pie graph that says, "Hey, you know, 52.8% goes towards education." Um, I'm not connected online, unfortunately. Um, and then you can see the other pieces. The brown is the largest, benefits and withholding taxes next. That's 17%. Public safety at 12.2. Um, i think I can connect online. And you can just see the pieces that it makes up down below. Oh, I am connecting to employees. Well, That's not a strong wi signal, yeah. right? Um, so education of the thousand dollars on the second page. If you flip over the graph, 528 goes to education, 170 goes to benefits and withholding, 122 to public safety debt payments are $66 and that got me thinking about the half a million that we're um, borrowing for pavement. and it's not just that that's a proxy for the discussion of what is our strategic debt servicing when when and how much are we incurring and will it go up or go down because if it goes down materially clearly that's monies that might be available for other things that we believe as a committee are strategic necessary for the success of the town This is a really cool feature. Good, I'm connected to my iPhone. Thank God for iPhone tethering. Um, hopefully, this works. So, here is that feature where you can type in. That one wasn't me. Did
4: you, did the table just get bumped? I think your, your display port might have got yeah, it back.
2: back in. Okay. So,
0: if you type in 1,000 view figures, it calls up the budget that we're all looking at. So, on the Other piece that I think is important (coughs) and could be helpful for this um, body to consider is all right. to the point that Connor made our pair benchmarking, there are great easy buttons that you can click. It says click here to see your most recent benchmark analysis. And for education, um, it gives you a nice surrounding communities pair group in the top right corner. Uh, You can see that the town of Sharon leads in terms of uh, uh, per capita spend. Uh, they are spending over $2,300. Uh, the town of Easton is in yellow. It's highlighted we're at 1600 So it gives you an understanding we're below the state average um, as well. So the state average will always be included. So I, I think that this is helpful, as I think about for every $1,000 that we're asking our town's residents to spend in terms of taxes. A, have an understanding of where it goes, uh, and then B, how is what that spend is compared to our benchmarking group. And I know we have both what Connor is developing, I know we had our recent audit that also gave color from a couple of years past. Um, and I, I just wanted to point out to this team that there is a very powerful tool that's right online that you can tool around. Because a lot of us identifying where that puck is gonna be takes us kind of thinking about what's important. What is proactive look like? Um, what it, Where is it appropriate to be strategic? Um, why are either of those discussions valid? Is it about making sure we're protecting the existing asset of the services <coughs> we provide and the education we provide? And is it about making sure we're getting good return on that investment? Um, and are there opportunities to make it some investments sooner that create bigger returns going forward? Those are a lot of those discussions, I think, are a bit subjective. And for me, understanding where I fall against the peer group can make it a little less subjective. It can say, hey, maybe there's a reason for us to focus in on, uh, and I'll use, so in this case, uh, have discussion about being less than state average or where we fall in our peer group from educational spend is one example. Um, I think another good example that I found was, um, I think you have to always put in the view figures, um, DPW, I think, does that fall under Public, public work Works system. right here? Um, so this happened to be another example, um, whereby the state average um, is certainly much higher at $275. Our pair group is materially lower than that, at $200 and less. But we're third in from the bottom of this pair group. And um, trust me, it doesn't make the pair group right. It doesn't make our result right or wrong. Those are all certain discussion points, but I've found benchmarking and peer distribution can be a helpful tool to ask the right questions to say, you know, how is it that we're able to do this? A good example, I think Connor might be, does this lead to any longer term challenges like in the form of debt borrowing that helps us offset this operational expenditure that isn't being seen here that we need to consider as a budget subcommittee that says that's an, is or isn't a sustainable methodology for accomplishing what's needed in the terms of the DPW. Um, and, And again, I'm using the school system and the DPW just as proxies for all the items in our budget that we probably should be thinking about that say, what is our posture? And if they're all reactive, we may want to have that discussion that says we might be missing opportunities and that could come back in future years to be a challenge for us in terms of a constraint in providing the level of services or the educational opportunities we want to. Because the other costs are increasing more. If it's if insurance went up five percent every year, we know we couldn't cover that cost, and that gets back to the fixed cost conversation that believe it or not, we actually in, in our world we call those commodities as well. Those are just as much as a part of us making the product, unfortunately, in today's day and age, those insurances that go with and all the other things. Um, very, they're not uh, you, can't, you can't just not pay them. Exactly. They're, they're a part of it. And if those go up faster than you can raise your your um, your revenues, then that gets us into the challenge that might exist. So I guess, and, and all of you hopefully have seen this, I thought this was a really interesting way for me to go through in big buckets to say, where do I fall from a pair mark benchmarking standpoint? And then therefore, as we go forward, are those things strategically we think we need to solve for? Um, and those are the items I think that will tell will help us inform our committees and the boards that we think we do have a challenge. We think it's X years out, or it's here now, and we just want to raise that according to our charter and bring that to people's awareness. Um, So that was all I wanted to go through on ClearGov. I didn't want to go through the exercise of going into everything, but I wanted to give everybody a research tool. We, um, I believe we will have updated information with 2019 budgeting available loosely January-ish or take um, so this will have even more current information um, mm-hmm. and I just thought it was a neat tool Connor thank you for once again pointing out the value of it and this is available to everybody it's it's public information so transparency at its best um, Connor do you want to touch upon the and I'm sorry any questions I guess about the clear gov stuff Thoughts? I, don't,
6: I don't know if you know the answer to this but sure. You happen to have just mentioned the 500,000 a year that we've been bonding for highway work. Mm-hmm. And I know the schools have, unfortunately, way too modest in an amount, but we do get some uh, grants and some donations and things like that. So it sounds the way they've um, articulated this some municipalities may account for a portion of, in this case, public works, spending in separate funds, not related. Would that separate funds be the debt? and then it doesn't get really reflected. In other words, in essence, that $30 might be more. Just as for the schools, it might be somewhat more if you took into account all of the modest funding that we get from grants and donations. Good question. So, uh, you know, I mean, i just just curious because, you know, they might not be as low if there were other communities that were, in fact, not bonding I mean, half a million a year for five years now, right? Sure. And that's a pretty yeah. significant amount. Yes. So I was just curious to know if that truly reflects, it, it, and I, I know that we have, as I said, comparable situations when it comes to, you know, fee gives mm-hmm. us some nice donations. Nothing like half a million a year, but still it would be, you know, mm-hmm. So I just... Uh, Good anyway, question. Just Connor, out, do you
0: have yeah, any So
4: we don't know exactly what is in each of those comparable community operating budgets, but mm-hmm. if they were to program like a, a fixed amount of roadway funding into their operating budget, it would be reflected in that um, per $1,000 of tax spend we're looking at. So if you took that out, if the town had 500000 of revenue mm-hmm. available to just dump it, Straight into the w operating budget. That would obviously increase our public works operating budget to $2.3 million. So it's. it's so basically,
6: this is a budget. just is just what's budgeted. So budget. it isn't including other uh, things. Mm-hmm. Well. For right. anyone. So right. any any right. debt
4: would right. be a debt payment section.
6: Right. And ours isn't debt. I mean, I know I was sort of comparing the bonding with you know donations and things like that but I just meant there are other Mm -hmm. kinds of funding that aren't the exact budget you know that are in the budget per se
4: no but I for the town's purposes at least we do get grants from time to time we um, pursue as many as we can but in the totality (coughs) of our shared 80 something million dollar budget I, I won't speak from schools but I would bet that if we totaled up all the grants that that is I don't want to say it's significant but that's not the majority of where our spending is, is coming from, right? So this is, oh, just, sure. looking, no, this is close, just looking yeah. at our operating mm-hmm. uh, uh, revenue and expenses. Mm-hmm. So this doesn't include any kind of one-time grants for a project or uh, capitals, just be operations of those departments.
6: The budgeted operations. So Correct. it would not include probably like the half million that's no, bonded. No, okay. that would be a
4: capital budget for the town. And just mm-hmm. like any capital mm-hmm. for any department would be. And I, I do, I feel like I should probably point out that um, While well, we've, we've pointed to the borrowing for the roads a few times tonight, I, in, no means of, in no means trying to use that as some sort of alarm. Agreed. It's just well an example. Right. Uh, it's because it's proxy. an incredibly important uh, uh, capital uh, item that has gone through the capital process that uh, is sort of a, a capital funding parallel to the operating budget squeeze we're in with state revenue. Uh, the state has level funded. Uh, chapter 90 roadway funds to the town for, for many, 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 many years. So we're supplementing that flatline state account uh, with local borrowing because we, we don't have the recurring revenue each year. So uh, it is an important investment, not one that we can continue to do forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
3: it, doesn't, it does not tell a whole picture. It is a useful tool for some things, but it definitely... I just want to make sure people don't stop at this It's a good place to ask questions. It's a good place to draw attention. Um, From the school side of things, so the Easton Public Schools was actually a pilot school for this when they started using schools. So we worked with them to create a lot of the subcategories and um, a lot of the information. So we are pretty intimate with the education side of things. We had to be careful about what we were using because we would present ClearGov, And then we would ask people to check it, but then we would present Massachusetts Department of Elementary and Secondary information because that's what we're held accountable for, Mm -hmm. and that's what we are measured on for everything from accountability to funding to entitlement grants. And the numbers were sometimes different. And so it tended, people sometimes got the impression we were changing the numbers or, but this sometimes is an aggregate of multiple data sources and we purely used Massachusetts of Education so there may sometimes be differences in data but that's because we have to use the Department of Education figures and this takes into account some other things and even Massachusetts um, Department of Education is self-reported information so for example when we were working on this project one of the things that we realized was our professional development numbers we knew we were paying far less than our cohort districts just in speaking with them but then when we looked at this it was a lot closer We realized in reporting, so I won't say who, but you're supposed to include in professional development everything from tuition costs to bringing in speakers to the substitutes that are used to cover teachers. And we talked to a few districts that put their substitutes in another line. So, for example, it looked like they weren't spending as much, but we were reporting Mm -hmm. properly. Whether it's intentional or not, I'm certainly not... uh, suggesting it was intentional, but when you report differently, it's going to give different data. So we always look into the data before we present data Agreed. to make sure that it represents what we're saying it represents. Yep. I'm just saying multiple different data sources might not do that. So Absolutely. If there's any kind of a difference in data, that would be the reason why. We vet them before we present them for accuracy.
0: Good points. Can
6: I make one third? Oh, of course, please. So I something that you said, figured a thought, Connor. I mean, first of all, I would say that the DPW does a phenomenal job, as you both mentioned earlier. I mean, it is, it, and it's such an important service. But it's interesting when you said Chapter 70 has been level funded, which is true. I mean, effectively, cha- I mean, Chapter 90, Chapter 70 has effectively been level funded almost for a number of years too. I mean, the the increments have been almost laughable. In fact, didn't we end up sort of losing more than we gained when you? added in the regional and all that. I mean, the effectively we had yeah. a reduction uh, right. last year. So, that's very frustrating. And, um, you know, this, so so when they do those peer con- uh, comparisons, I do think there's a lot of sort of information that doesn't get necessarily included in that. Mm-hmm. Um, I know they can't include everything and it's not a right. perfect it's product, a, it's a but it's helpful tool. It is yes. helpful, it's, yes. It's, mm-hmm.
4: yes. It's, uh, <laughs> challenging to, to aggregate every single data point. But uh, nonetheless, it can be helpful. But yes, we the Chapter 70 is certainly not increasing at any kind of healthy pace, which is uh, a significant yeah. challenge on the revenue side for the yeah. schools.
0: Mm-hmm. Cool. All right, moving on to uh, the 2020 operating and capital budget calendar. Sure, so um,
4: I don't have any kind of formal presentation on this, I just wanted to make note, uh, as I already largely have tonight um, budget requests uh, memo was sent to department heads in November. Those uh, budget requests will be coming in in December. The town side will borrow um, and take inspiration from the schools to an extent of highlighting what some of the ongoing um, proactive or strategic needs in our operating departments, both from a personnel and from a capital investment standpoint, are um, whether or not we can fund them in the actual balanced budget. Uh, And we will be bringing forward uh, preliminary budget presentations before March. Mm -hmm. Uh, We will also have community comparison reports and summary financial condition reports uh, in January, February. And the capital budget request instructions have also been sent out to all uh, appropriate folks. Those will be coming in in December as well. Yes, I think it's December
3: 6th and December 13th. Yes, it's
5: after the budget.
4: So those will
3: be being
0: reviewed by Wendy
4: and the Capital Planning Committee um, through their standard process mirroring uh, the operating
0: budget. Connor, how do we factor in as a team, how can you help guide us to understanding the things that we're not doing in terms of the capital, whether it's capital repairs or the other... Will that come out as part of the process? Like, Do you think you'll do the, the same type of an exercise on the capital side that says, listen, here's... We're going to come in with what we can do, right. but these are the foregone challenges that the I, I can wrap my head around repairs that say, look, if you don't do the roof of my house, first year we might sneak by with a tarp, but over time I'm going to not only hurt the roof, but I'm going to hurt the substructure. And sure. and I'm not in any way saying that. I'm just using that as an analogy that says, look, we're, we may be putting off some things that eventually become much more expensive to we fix are. the longer the time we goes are. on.
4: A deferred maintenance costs more than addressing it today. In yeah. uh, the capital budget, it uh, falls a lot. Uh, it's similar to our operating budget. You have requests come in, um, and, and by no means are all of them funded. Right. Uh, and so, in the capital budget section of uh, the very large budget book we all use now, uh, there's the actual capital budget that will be presented to town meeting. And for many years now, we've basically been splitting it in two for annual and spring. Uh, sorry, annual and fall. And, but it also includes a five-year capital plan, which itself includes all requests. Got it. The capital planning committee's charge is to effectively do sort of a, a ranked prioritization of capital requests that are over twenty-five thousand dollars. And, uh, however, the five-year plan still includes all requests. And, and I will, I, I, or I will speak for everyone, including the schools that. No one's putting forth requests that are frivolous. These are all legitimate needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, starting last year, we began incorporating uh, an entire accounting of the Doric with facilities assessment report. So if right. you look at the fiscal 2019 capital budget and the five-year plan, the number that's included in that is, is astronomical. It's it's in the 80-plus million range, which is more of an entire year's operating cost, because that includes a roughly, I think, 60, 000, uh, 60 million, million. Yeah. And building so needs largely on the school states, side. Yeah. And that's not a mm-hmm. competitive statement, that schools have yeah. more buildings and mm-hmm. more needs. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, are, we do account for that. We do show that in the capital plan. Um, and uh, one of the challenges that the structural revenue gap presents is when we're leaning on uh, free cash to balance the operating budget, free cash is ideally used for building reserves and funding one-time yeah, capital yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. costs. And when you are leaning on it, and we're doing a good job reducing that uh, as a, both a raw number and as a percentage as a community, which has taken a tremendous amount of work from towns and schools, but it's still uh, a significant amount of one-time money is being used. So the end result there is that you have fewer free cash dollars each year to put into your capital budget. So there's, mm-hmm. there are many capital needs mm-hmm. um, that are not able to be funded um, every year. Uh, So that will be borne out in the five year plan again, I'm sure, and I I would encourage anyone here who is interested to go to some of the capital planning meetings, most of the departments do come in and will speak to uh, their uh, capital budget requests. They usually do a very detailed, thorough, special job highlighting uh, the needs as part of their asset management, and, um, you know, the lack of, we're kind of at a place where it's. you know, we're funding things like generators for police and fire stations, for life-saving activities. It, it, so that's uh, somewhat of a reactive posture compared to a proactive and strategic mm-hmm. one. It's mm-hmm. uh, a great so.
0: point. I know it's interesting. I use the the roof analogy, but there's also the positive of it, which just simply says we could do something now. that's an investment that saves us money or generates revenue down the road. Um, strategically. And I, I think the way you, you ended sure, that and is and real and appropriate. And we
4: do try to do that where we can. Uh, sewer projects Agreed. are a good example of that. Sewers are also unique because you overwhelmingly finance them with betterments compared to most capital projects which are just paid for out of general borrowing. Right. Uh, but it, it's it's uh, a, a tight balance. But the, the, the short answer to that question was yes. We do account for and display in the, the capital budget. I think it's section 7 or 8 of the budget book, it's online, everyone here I think has a copy of it, does detail all the town and school needs into the next five years. Uh, and also I think a, 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 an interesting data point for a lot of it is the initial year of year first request. Yeah, I was um, just going to say that. Because you'll see many, many, many items, both not just by me or people submitting them, but the capital committee, which is the citizen committee, will say this is a, this is a worthy investment we just don't have the money this year, and you'll see certain items be deferred, and you'll you have that column of a year of initial request, and many of these are items that are requested year after year after year after year
3: from two thousand five or right, and, and
4: again that, that that's not just like there are strategic uh, staffing and operating needs that are unfunded, but not because they're not worthy, just because of the revenue is not there, um, so that that is available uh, in that capital plan. It's sort of like the statement of interest for the school planning projects. Uh, Mm-hmm. Schools submit through the town a statement of interest each year. Just because the MSBA may not select a specific school project doesn't mean that it, it's not needed, mm-hmm. right? It's mm-hmm. just the opportunity didn't present itself. Mm-hmm.
0: Awesome, thank you. Uh, any questions for the discussion on the twenty twenty operating capital budget? Mm-hmm. Good. Uh, approval of meeting minutes. So hopefully everybody has received them. Um, I talked about not. Uh, yeah, I have a copy here if anybody needs it. I took a scan through. Um, do you, does anybody want to take a minute or two to give it a quick read through or everybody? Good. All good? Awesome. Uh, well, I will take a motion to approve the meeting into the budget subcommittee held on Monday, October 1st, 2018.
1: So moved.
0: Second. All those in favor? Excellent, unanimous. Uh, setting of the next budget subcommittee. Uh, So we actually have already set, Marilyn, thank you so much for sending them out back in the day. Mm -hmm. We have our next set of meetings already done. The next one is January 14th, Uh, it's a Monday. There was, uh, following that is uh, Monday, February 4th, Monday, March 4th, and Monday, April 22nd. Um, In terms of the meetings and, in theory, presentation that we're trying to have this culminate in it feels like we have three working meetings left the 14th of january february 4th and march 4th and then we would be presenting um somewhere after that does that make sense from a timing standpoint connor from what you laid out Um, if certainly if we need to as we talk about what we want to achieve and accomplish we can add some meetings in if needed but it, the following March, after March fourth, the currently current one on the books is April twenty second, and that feels uh, a little bit late to finish work product and then get in front of the committees if that's what we decide that we want to do. Um, so it feels like we have three meetings set. January fourteenth being the next one. Christmas is coming. It doesn't feel like it would make sense to hold one between now and that. So it feels like January fourteenth.
3: We also have limited information. Right. Right. As opposed I, to then. Mm-hmm. You got it.
0: Um, so it feels like January 14th is the appropriate time to have the next meeting, and at least at that, um, some of the things that we could possibly do is game plan what we want the presentation to look like, kind of what homework we'd like to do. Um, if there are topics anybody would like to, to consider adding, please feel free to shoot me an email um, so that we can make that meeting, I guess, as productive as possible and as education as possible, educational as possible and tee us up for success in terms of creating work product February 4th and March 4th, so that at March 4th, in an ideal world, we're reviewing kind of what we want to discuss and present. Or maybe there needs to be a meeting after that where we say, this is what we would like to have a conversation about with the Board of Selectmen, the Finance Committee, the School Committee. If we deem to go down that path, Mm -hmm. that would be an awful lot of people engaged and respectful of that time and that investment value. So I just want to make sure we, as a team, felt comfortable that what we were presenting warranted that amount of investment, and feel confident that it would. Clearly, but um, that's a. I think that's a big opportunity to engage all of those people, and certainly the town residents, about where we, as a budget subcommittee, feel we are headed in terms of trajectory. You guys, what do you folks think? That
6: makes total sense.
0: That makes sense. That that good. Good Everybody excited. Um, very excited. Tom. Very excited. Sorry. Excellent. <laughs> Love that. Um, if there are any thoughts in terms of the objective, in, in, um, please feel free to forward them on. This is a great forum to have it after now. We kind of thought about what we're trying to achieve, um, and we will go through and do that.
4: Just to picture it directly, to Tom, and not Yes. Please. Oh, right. Exactly. Right.
0: Thank right. you so much. Um, that would be fantastic. Uh, all right, so January 14th, 6 to 8, uh, Town Hall. Is there any public participation? No,
2: nope. very interesting conversation.
0: <laughs> Good. Uh, all right, so with that, I'll take a motion to adjourn. So moved. Second. All those in favor? Awesome.